praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Welcome back to another episode of Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. We are happy to be recording again. My name's Matt. With me, I've got Wallace and Ashley. How are y'all doing? Outstanding. Solid as a rock. The song you're hearing on the intro and outro of this episode is Doxology by My Epic. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for everyone who's been joining in and listening and following us. The response has been great. We appreciate it. What are we talking about today, y'all? Parents. Parents? Friend or foe. (laughs) Yeah, so we wanted to take an episode and talk about parents, uh, some pluses, some challenges. challenges. You seem very passionate about this subject. Well, I just want to make sure we don't hate on them too much. No. But, I mean, parent dealing with parents is also dealing with people. Mm. And a lot of people deal with things differently. I mean, it's a conversation of involvement and conflict and and mentoring and praising and growing up. So there's a lot to talk about. So the first thing I want to do is ask y'all, what role do parents have in your ministry? Are they, you know, does involvement end outside of the youth room or parish hall door? Are they involved in teaching? Just what do they do in y'all's churches? Uh, The parents, it totally depends. I don't have any parents of current youth teaching. Uh, I try to go for parents of younger kids so that they can get a sense for the program so that when their kids get up, they, they know what's going on. So that's that, for me, is, is a little easier that there's not a parent at every event in Sunday school and all of that kind of stuff. Did, did it work out that way, or like did that just happen kind of on its I ch- own? I did, it on, I did that on purpose. Okay. Um. But then, you know, you have the parents who you only see when they pick up the kid, and you have parents who email, send responses to my weekly email every week, and and who are very involved, and then you have all those folks who fall somewhere in the middle. Um, I actually, in my context right now, don't have a particularly extreme case of, of any of that, so we're kind of cruising, which is good. <laughs> Um, but I think there's a part of me that would love to be able to at least know the parent by face and be able to say, oh, you're Johnny's parent. How's it going? Uh, or or they could reach out to me and say, hey, my, my kid is going through, we had a death in the family. And so just know that if they start talking about this or they don't want to talk about they don't want to talk, period. This is why. Um, I think that's that's what I wish my relationship was with all of my parents. So you brought up a good thing. What do you think your relationship with parents as a person working for the church, uh, specifically someone who works with youth, you know, the youth of those parents, what should your, like, what should our relationship be? Is there one standard? Does it vary church to church? I think it varies parent to parent. 
<laughs> you know, like, I think, like I said, like, they're going to be the, like, what Ashley said, they're going to be the parents who are going to say, thanks for babysitting my kid for the past hour, <laughs> hour and a half, you fed them, cool beans, deuces. Um, and that's, that's where you're going to be at with that parent. I think that there are also going to be other parents that are going to say, I need a lot more. I want to... Not only do I want, not only do I want to like tell you everything that's going on in our family life, but we're let's go get lunch, let's hang out, let's have hang out, let's let's interact on this other level, um, and I think allowing space to do that for that parent who who may may want or need that is also important. I think for me it's a little different because I'm the a priest also, and so I am a minister to everyone at my church. And so it's really helpful to to be in this position because I end up knowing more of the family dynamics than I did when I was before I was ordained and was just the youth minister. Every now and then the priest would loop me in on something, but not that often. <laughs> and so now now it's it's nice cuz I know when someone dies or someone's sick or they're moving or you know what's going on but and I think it's I think it's really important to do that it's it's a challenge when you're not ordained because your expertise is in pastoring to the youth and and not necessarily to some of that bigger stuff that comes with the whole family system and and tragedy and all of that and so I think having that's when having a great relationship with your priest is really helpful. Yeah. So the two of you are are connected while you navigate whatever it is is going on with the family. But I really like what you said about parents or partners. I think we need them and they need us and we all have to figure out how to how to communicate and and be on the same page in order to create the best experience for youth at church. Yeah. And being on the same page is tough. Like, one of the areas that I struggle with is how to bring up to parents that their child is not the most behaved being in the universe. Mm -hmm. So how do you go to a parent and say, hey, Joey was cool, you know, at Bible study, except for the part where he pulled out the fart machine and while I was trying to explain about Moses, just pressed fart buttons the entire time. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you... Like, I struggle with that. How do you tell a parent... And is that your role, to tell a parent, your kid is not the most perfect ray of sunshine mm -hmm. sometimes? I think... So, I feel like it depends on the kid and it depends on the parent. Um, I think there are parents who recognize that their kids are, um, are kids and that they do things. Um, some of those things that they do are awesome. And then there's those other things. And and so I had a parent recently uh, reach out to me about, about an issue that happened. And and I think what how my end of the conversation went was, you know, what I remember of this incident, because it had been a, it had been a little bit of time, um, this is what I remember, and this is, and I thought that because it was about the the child thought that I had engaged them in a way when they were misbehaving, not in the way that that they wanted to be engaged. And so when I explained to her, like, 
this is what was happening. And I thought that my response was, hey, stop what you're doing, settle down, you're really, like, acting up, can you calm down, can you, can you stop doing what you're doing? Um, whereas I think this child uh, thought that I would, like, refer to them as, um, as hyperactive or something like that, which is not really a term that I, that I use frequently, um, if at all. Um, and so in that conversation, I kind of said, what are other ways that I can talk to your child? Um, that they can respond better um, in that instance where they are acting out of turn, when they are acting, uh, when they're misbehaving. I think that there are other parents who their kids, they do believe that their kids are a ray of sunshine. And I think that's when the response could just be, hey, like, this is the thing that happened. Why don't you come and, why don't you come and be a part? And so then you can see what's, what's happening. Or I recognize that, like, 90% of the time, your kid is great. <laughs> There's this 10% where, for some reason, they feel like it's it's appropriate to act out. How can, like I said, what are the tactics that I should use? What are the ways that like I can um, approach them? Uh, and so that they're hearing me say, stop doing what you're doing. I feel like isolated incidents, I don't really go to parents. If it's one time, it wasn't that big of a deal, Okay. If it's recurring and it's distracting and it's taking away from whatever we're trying to do, then I will go to the parent and say, examples are key, right? Concrete, this is exactly what happened. And as soon as you can give the example after it happened, the better. And you can, and I prefer to do it in person when they pick them up, you know, hey, tonight was a little off and you know we, we've been seeing this a little bit more frequently but I don't know if you guys want to talk about it at home or not you know not a huge deal not you know the world is ending your child is horrible but examples and just a heads up the other thing I'll do is I always take their phones obviously so they actually pay attention and in returning them sometimes if a kid has not been well behaved I'll just hold on to that phone and then give it to the parent and say, you can ask why I'm handing this phone to you, and then let the kid speak up. And that has proved to be pretty beneficial, because then the parent will email and say, here's what I heard, is this accurate? And most of the time it is, and so it gives everybody a chance to be their best self. It gives the kid a chance to tell the truth, and it gives the parent a chance to respond, and all I did was, like, make it known. So... You know, but yeah, it is different for every parent, every kid. Yeah, because I, because I do think that there are going to be the parents who like really. I don't want to use the word delusional, um, yeah. but but their kid has them fooled, um, right. and I think and I think for those parents, like I said, maybe saying, "Hey, why don't you come with us on this thing? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just participate? Maybe like like two di- like." these next two Sundays, just because, like, I'm seeing this thing, and I want to make sure that it's not just me, mm-hmm. um, or that, like, like I said, like, I'm, like, that I'm not being hypersensitive, or whatever, I think there's a way that you can phrase that, um, for the parent, I think also looping in, one of the, one of the things that, um, for more major incidents, incidences, I think it's really important to write something down, yes, and then, like, follow up with my, um, follow up with my priest and just say, like, hey, BT dubs, this is a thing that happened. You know, we may have handled, like, it, like, 
at the time, but this is a thing that happened. I have like a record of it. Um, I think that maybe this is like a great time to have like a um, priest. If you want me to be part of this youth minister, parent conversation, potentially also the youth, because this is a thing that, that occurred. Um, and I don't want it to happen again. Raised voices and tears. I always write those things down. <laughs> like those are, those are the things that tend to come back up again. So then that brings up the question, like how much do you tell your, the parents in the program about what goes on at youth group? I mean, like to a certain extent, yes. Hey, we're, having a pancake dinner. But <laughs> if a kid says something kind of off at Bible study or Sunday evening youth group or whatever, or Sunday school, like how do you bring parents into that? Mm. And is, I mean, obviously there are things that you should obviously let parents know, Hey, Debbie said this, or is there like, is there stuff you can say to parents about what their kids say, do you break the trust of the, the the youth by saying, going to their parents and saying, hey, so-and-so said such-and-such? Hmm. I know we've talked about this a little bit in another episode, um, but I, I think one of the things that I always say is youth group is open for a parent to come whenever, or Sunday school. So you are more than willing to sit in, you are more than willing to participate um you're more than willing to to be there because i think the more open you can be or the more open um the youth group can be for a parent i think the safer and and some well i think this the safer it is for at least like a parent to like send their child um I think when there is something that comes up that um, that is is new new information or maybe something that that we should be uh, mindful of, um, I think it's I think it's important to say to a parent, "Hey, like this was something that that came up. I'm just letting you so I'm letting you know that um, that this was a discussion that was had. Here's how I." Here's what I said in this in this conversation. It may be something that you might want to address later on with your child. I'm thinking about, like, uh, let's use a concrete example. So a kid comes in to Sunday school and starts bragging about what they're doing with their boyfriend Oof. sexually, right? This, happen- this happens, I think, at least in my life, regularly. Children start to talk about that. And then... It makes other kids uncomfortable because they're not doing those things and nobody knows if this kid is telling the truth or not or they're bragging or whatever. And sex makes everybody uncomfortable. Y'all, I wish you could see Wallace right now. He's very, he's clammy. (laughs) And so it, that opens a door for a a much bigger conversation. And so, you know, if it's a one-off and they say what the, you know, I, they make a comment one time and then we can move on and it never happens again. But if it's happening regularly, then that says to me, maybe it's, it is time for a conversation about sex and bodies in Sunday school. And if that's the conversation we're going to have, you bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to send an email to the parents before we do that. And it's not going to be a birds and the bees conversation, but it is going to be a conversation about how we respect one another and our own bodies as God's creation. 
And so, you know, that, and, and I might, after that class, send an email to the parents that says, things got heavy in class today. We're going to begin a, a discussion on the bodies. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. And give them a, a quick heads up before they get too far out of out of the church parking lot and in their heads um, so they know that I know that that was an intense conversation and that was not just learning the books of the Bible in order or something yeah. like that. I would be, I mean, not that I wouldn't do that. I would, I would be afraid that my views on something like that would not match the parents. Mm-hmm. So the church that I work at now, one of the first activities we did was questions in a hat where kids put questions in a hat and you pull one out and is that the game yeah um (laughs) (laughs) i see where you got the name Uh, i mean and you answer those questions and then some kids you know answer those as well did you name this game i this is not my game that i came up with this is a diocese of florida what kind of hat any kind of hat was it a nascar hat no i believe it was a braves hat at the time but back to the story but one of the questions that was brought up was, is it okay to have sex before marriage? Hmm. That is a very tricky issue. And this brings up the issue, the, the question of like stepping on parents' toes and their beliefs. Right. And I was in this weird area of like affirming, but not confirming. Like I didn't want to, it was also the first time I had met these kids. And I think yeah. they were just testing out right. the boundaries, the boundaries. So how do you deal with parents who may believe differently about social issues and theological issues? Because you're not just dealing with one kid and one set of parents. You're potentially dealing with, you know, 10 sets of parents and 20 different sure. belief systems. Like you don't answer that question, you know, uh, and, and you don't answer the question directly. Is homosexuality OK or is abortion OK? Or, you know, these big questions that families for sure have a stance on. Our job is not to tell the kids what we believe, and and that's not that's not the point. The point is for them to learn facts and different points of view and for them to feel safe to begin to discern their own belief system. And there are going to be some parents who don't like that. Yeah. And that's why you give them plenty of heads up. And, and then their kid doesn't come to class that week, you know, and, and you have to make it very clear that you are never, ever going to tell a child, this is what's right. And this is what's wrong in any of these controversial topics. You're just going to have, start to have conversations about it. I think allowing, um, we, this past year, uh, after the Parkland shooting, our six, like the sixth grade Sunday school class just that that's what they wanted to talk about that day. And so I think I wasn't in the classroom, but I talked to the teachers afterwards, or I think I walked in at the tail end. Um, and so I talked to the teachers afterwards, and they were kind of like, this is what the conversation, how the conversation went. And I think if I think if a parent had followed, like if one of those kids went home and said to their parent, like, this is what we talked about, this is what this person said, this is what the teacher said, blah, blah, blah. Um, and a parent had reached out to me, I think my response then would be like, oh, this is, like, I followed up with the teachers. This is how this conversation went. The stance of the Episcopal Church is um, 
we are promoting nonviolence in churches, or in not well in churches, but then also in in schools, and that we we want schools to be safe. And I think if you if you as a family want to dictate like what that looks like, that's fine. But this is the stance of the Episcopal Church, and like you know stand for the stand up for those teachers in that. I would have stood up for those teachers in, in in that moment, but I don't think because that was an unplanned conversation. Um, and there's not a like I didn't feel I don't think that I, that it would have been necessary for me to tell every single sixth grade parent that you're like, hey, they talked about this today, um, and since also since nobody like reached out to me about it, so I was kind of like, wow, whew, got out of that one. Um, but I think if there had been a planned discussion, I would have been like, all right, we're going to. This is what we're talking about. This is why we're talking about it. Um, and here is for, because at St. David's, we have a, a lot of people who, um, anytime you can say, and here is where you can find it in scripture, um, then I'd be like, we're also going to talk about what does it mean? Like, we're going to go, um, we're going to go scripture and we're also going to hit up, uh, respect the dignity of every human being in the baptismal covenant. Um, for those people so then they have like where the basis of the discussion will go um so they kind of get that heads up so then how do you deal with the parents like ashley you brought up our job as youth leaders isn't to sit there and say this is the correct way of interpreting this or doing this which I think is a whole other discussion in itself because yeah. I think some youth leaders would be like well absolutely I need to tell kids that such and such is wrong, and this is an abomination, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but I think there are parents who think that's our job. Right. To sit there and foster the moral, the morals of, of the youth in the church, but their morals and what they think is right. Mm-hmm. So how do you explain to parents or deal with parents who, on both sides of the political spectrum want you to maybe preach to their kids what they believe, even though you may not believe, you know, what, what they believe. And I think we've all been in that situation where a parent is telling us something, whether politically or not, and we don't agree with it, but they think we agree with it. So we just kind of stand there and nod politely. Right. I would make it clear that I'm not going to do that, you know, uh, and, I, if I want you to teach my child that homosexuality is wrong. Well, I'm not going to teach that for some obvious reasons. And uh, <laughs> and I'm not interested in telling your kid right from wrong. Yeah. I'm interested in your kid thinking for, for himself. And what I see as my responsibility is creating space for kids to engage their faith and engage scripture and engage God and discern for themselves how they want to come out on the other side of that. Um, That is the greatest gift we can give them. A space for holy conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where, and where they can walk out and they can say like, Hey, I disagree with this person. Like, but we had an opportunity for civil discourse. Right. And we had an opportunity to even, you know, at the end, we're still going to come to the same table. We're still going to break the same bread. Um, and we can move forward as a community. And if if you're leading a discussion well, they should be disagreeing with each other, not with what I'm saying, right? It's not about what I'm saying. It's about creating the space 
for them to have peer conversations, because otherwise it's a lecture, you know, and, and that's not what anybody wants. And so just as we would do in adult Sunday school, I'm not going to stand up and tell you this is what I believe and you should believe in it too about political issues. And, but if they're, if they're having heated debates with each other, then we're doing something right. I think that's a good thing. But they should never walk away saying, Ashley told me that I'm wrong for Ashley liking guns. Ashley told me that I should pray more. <laughs> <laughs> mean Ashley. Let's take a break, and we want to offer y'all the resource of the episode. Wallace, you have the resource of the episode this week. I do. What are you bringing to the table? The resource that I have today for you, Matt, and Ashley, and everyone else in the room, including Spinach Rob is Faith at Home. Faith at Home is a year-round weekly email that includes four separate lectionary-based reflections and prompts for families, however that is defined, and friend groups. Each section is written by one of our diverse contributors with a specific pairing in mind, adult to littles, adult to middles, adult to bigs, and adult to adult, so families of all types and sizes can dive deeper into the scripture together Additionally, each week will feature one unifying question that reaches across all four reflections. And what's really cool about Faith at Home is that it's brought to you by our sponsor, Forma. I guess struggles with parents is they seem to have a vision of what youth ministry is, specifically in the sense of like, I went to youth group when I was a kid, and we always went on the Itchnatuckney River. I don't know why I'm giving this parent a country accent, but I am. Um, Like, how do you involve parents who have these ideas of what they did as youth and therefore these youth should do now? I mean, how do you bring them into the fold? Do you just say, like, cool, thanks, I'm going to go do my own thing? I say, cool, how about we plan this together? You have an idea, and as someone who believes incorporating ideas uh, and searches for ideas and, and loves incorporating new ideas, why should I like spend time, A, telling somebody to step off, I don't like your idea, and then B, try to come up with my own idea? It makes a lot more sense to say, okay, cool. Why don't we combine and figure out a way to do this? Or when someone says, you know the fundraiser you had last year? That sucked. Why don't you do this differently? I'm like, okay, why don't you plan it? Why don't you um, take the lead on that? Because I would love your help. Um, I would love your help to make this fundraiser a better fundraiser this year. Amen to everything you just said. (laughs) Okay, but hold on. Because... You mean to say, hold up, hold up. Parent comes to you and says, I want to take the kids to Disney World. No. (laughs) Because you don't like Disney World. Yeah, well, okay, do we have to tell everyone across media that? (laughs) No, but, like, there are things that parents bring up that, like, I just have no interest. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to take my kids paintball. And and I know there are youth leaders who are like, paintball and is Jesus in real life? (laughs) Like. (laughs) I, I think that there is a, so I do believe that there's a way to incorporate ideas, um, from parents into what we do. I do think saying to a parent, for example, just because I'm going to use the paintball one, um, I, I'm 
I don't think that paintball is one of the things that we're going to do. Um, maybe we can go laser tagging, but I have, I really do think that they're, I don't want to encourage the idea of using weapons um, that do cause like some physical pain, um, even, even though it's minor, into what we do. And I think you can explain to them like why your philosophy is, what, what your philosophy is about that. Or is about that. So, for instance, I most likely will never take my kids to Disney World. Part Which is of, sad. Part of that is a personal is a personal beef with the mouse with <laughs> the happiest place on earth. Yeah, I'm Churros. just not about it. Space um, Mountain. I'm just. I'm. That's probably not something that I'm going to do. But I think if if a parent, um, I think if a parent really pushed on that then i would say okay how what is the best way i would try to think of what is the best way to compromise on that so it doesn't mean that we go to six flags you know it is six flags that are flying over georgia um i mean that's the tagline um and they have an old man who dances um but or or if we do a trip to disney what is the way that in which that we can tie that in to, to something else that we're doing? So do we do a mission trip to Orlando? And while we're in Orlando, I will suffer a day at Disney. Just one. Um, chances are I would prefer to go to Universal, but that's my personal preference. <laughs> um, but I think that you, but I think there's a way to incorporate those things. Um, incorporate those ideas from parents who um, are very passionate and definitely will sometimes push just a little too hard. Um, to get their ideas done. When when a parent is passionate <clears throat> and I'm rigid, there's something else going on, you know, and, and it's me resisting their idea for something that is my own issue. And, or, you know, I mean, yes, of course, sometimes it's just a terrible idea and you have to find a nice way to say no. Uh, but... I think trying to get a reason out of people, you know, when I was in the youth group, we did car washes every Sunday. Why did you do car washes every Sunday? We were raising money. What were you raising it for? I don't know. Then it probably wasn't that important, you know, like, and, and so trying to sort of get to the root of, of the insisting that we do a certain thing I think is important and, and figuring out ways to validate them and, get them to articulate the reason is helpful and then collaborating on some some sort of compromise. Is it a good time to take up an offering? It's a great time to take up an offering. Cool. Thank you to Forma for being our first and I think only sponsor. Forma, <laughs> the network for Christian formation, is known for their ability to connect those doing formation in the Episcopal Church. You can join their free Facebook group by searching Forma. That's right. F-O-R-M-A. Forma. Their next conference is January 23rd through 25th in Indianapolis. You should be there, and we're still going to be there. Visit their website, Forma Church, for conference registration. And now back to the show. What is our relationship with parents? Like, what role in raising youth do we serve alongside of parents? So I see a lot of parents that overrun their kids with activities. And they sign them up for 
18 sports, 14 instruments, 85 AP classes. Like, on what authority do I have to go to that parent and say, you're going to burn so-and-so out by freshman year of college? Like, is that our role as youth leaders with parents? How, how do we do that? Like, how do we help these kids, but also when the problem is the drive of the parent? I think that that's not, so it's not our responsibility to say to a parent, hey, what you're doing is going to destroy your kid after a certain amount of time. I think what is important for us is to provide an outlet for that kid potentially to take a step back and encourage them, especially for a kid who is busy with all sorts of different things, to say, hey, you know what you should do? Take some time to breathe. Every single day, take some time to just be silent and to be quiet and to stop Maybe that's a time for prayer. Maybe that's a time for quiet reflection. But just, like, exist. for Give yourself 10 minutes and just exist for 10 minutes. And I think, so that's actually one of the things that um, uh, when I was working at St. Paul's in Noonan, our confirmation retreat, we had maybe five different opportunities where over, like, a, I guess, 30-hour period, where they spend at least 30 minutes in quiet ref- like reflection just to like be. And so I think I think that's I think providing those opportunities for kids instead of saying to a parent like hey you're doing this wrong, I think re- seeing and realizing that like hey this kid's going to get burned out real quick, providing those opportunities for them to just take a second um, and to just breathe will be really good. I think we have to meet each kid where they are, as they are, you know, we cannot tell a parent how to parent or that they're doing anything wrong. I don't think that's our job. You know, I don't think that would go well. And so I think, yeah, we just meet the, meet the kids where they are and give them the best tools we can, um, to lead a, a faithful and, and Christ centered life. That's, that's our job is to make sure that God is known by them in, the 84th AP class that they're in yeah. and everywhere else. Slash encourage them to apply and then attend Georgia Tech. Mm. I do that all the time. Then I don't know about that. I mean, I want a lot of my kids to succeed, so <laughs> oh. I don't know why going to a school that continuously plays the triple option. You mean, I can't. I mean, they can't get to 66 on Louisville. This can all get cut. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to wrap up the episode. We're thankful for parents who are involved in our ministry. We're thankful for parents who give us ideas and inspire us and are involved in ones that move us in directions maybe that our ministry needs to go. We want to thank you for listening. Thank you for liking us on Facebook. You can find us at Episcopal Youth Ministry and ATL on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at EYMATLpod. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast app that you may listen to us on like our social media, review us, let us know. If there's something you want us to talk about or discuss or open up a discussion about, once again, thank you for listening to this episode. We're going to close out in prayer. I got it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for parents. Thank you for our own parents. Thank you for the parents of our youth. Thank you for, um, I guess, potentially future parents out there. Um, Help us to work with them, to be partners, to be faithful and good partners to them. 
to assist them in the raising of their youth, uh, to build them up and support uh, support the parents and support the kids um, and try to find ways to um, best uh, serve them in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.